0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have Kakalaka Baka with me, who is a cosplayer, and who I think is going to be a big star in the next few years, so thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I am super excited, and i just seen what you've done, and I just think you're on that it factor path. So... I'm very curious how you initially discovered cosplay and how you got involved in the industry as a whole, considering where you're going with it and all your cosplays.
1: Well, in middle school, I started a deviant art, and that was when I first was introduced to cosplay. But I was always scared and like insecure about doing it. Like I never thought that my craft could measure up until I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And I haven't really looked back since then. It's super fun.
0: So what year did you start getting really into it? I didn't
1: really start getting into it until probably two years ago. That was the first time I cosplayed at a convention.
0: And now what was your first cosplay? Because I think that's the best place to start here.
1: My first cosplay was a female version of Natsu
0: Dragneel from Fairy Tail. So being that it was your first, what initially drew you to Natsu? I just thought he was a really badass
1: character, and I had a pink wig at the time, so I was like, all right, I'm going to be Natsu.
0: And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this cosplay, you had a longer wig for this cosplay.
1: I did have a longer wig. I didn't really pull off the short wig look.
0: And I'm very curious, was it that you just wanted a longer wig, or were you lazy and you couldn't get a shorter wig?
1: It was definitely both. I couldn't get the correct wig at the time. And I just felt like I looked better in a longer wig. Speaking of my cosplay adventure, I didn't really think about matching the character full-heartedly until now. Now I'm definitely more motivated to match the characters better.
0: And I kind of want to touch a little bit upon what you just said. So as a cosplayer... How much freedom do you feel that you have with characters and matching them versus not matching them or taking creative liberties with them? Where do you draw the line and how do you feel when you're in the creation process?
1: It kind of depends on who I'm cosplaying. Most of the time, if it's a female character, I try to be as accurate as I can, depending on my skill. But I'm trying to experiment with more mashups and stuff like that. I'm working on, like, an armored Princess Mononoke. So with that, I kind of just gave myself a lot of freedom to add anything I wanted to add.
0: And now I want to dive into some of your cosplays. But before we get there, I do want to talk about your entire creation process and what influences you as a cosplayer and what you choose to cosplay. So how do you go about choosing what cosplays you want to do and create and what is the major influence that helps determine what characters you want to do?
1: I like to cosplay characters that I really like and another one would probably be what kind of materials I have on hand. So if I did something in the past where I have similar materials to something that I'm going to create in the near future that kind of helps me determine what my next cosplay should be so i just cosplayed storm and i wanted to do Kida from atlantis and because i have a white wig i can restyle that for Kida. so that kind of determines the supplies that i have on hand from my previous cosplays how much time i'm gonna have to make a new cosplay
0: depending on which con i'm gonna go to And now, once you have an idea of what you want to do, and I guess you've taken stock of some of your materials, where do you go about starting your planning? Do you sketch out ideas? Do you use reference points? Walk me through a little bit of your process on the planning side of cosplay.
1: So, the very first thing I do is I try to pick up as many reference pictures and videos. I also look at other cosplayers to see how they've done things. And I do draw a picture. It really helps breaking down the details when I draw it out.
0: And now, once you have your picture, you have your reference points, how do you go about finding materials such as fabrics, wigs, accessories, props, and anything else you need to really bring out and create your cosplay?
1: Well, because I live in Hawaii... We don't really have a lot of options. We kind of have this local fabric store called Fabric Mart, and there's only two on my island. So I either have to order online, like with wigs, there's pretty much no real good places here for cosplay wigs. So most
0: of it is online, or I go to that one store, Fabric Mart. And now we got to talk about that, because you're in Hawaii, and things can be expensive, things can be scarce, I'm on the mainland, and I know cosplayers who struggle enough in the continental U.S., so I'm very curious, how does that affect what you cosplay? How does that affect you finding materials? And how do you balance all that? Because I would imagine it becomes very expensive.
1: Well, I do balance it. I have another job, and when I list out the things that I need for my cosplays, usually I try to find the most cheapest materials that would work the best, I'm working with a lot of EVA foam, so luckily that's really cheap. One roll really goes a long way.
0: And now, you've been cosplaying for a very short amount of time. What do you find to be one of the biggest challenges as a cosplayer that you face faced so far?
1: Probably Accuracy. A lot of people want you as a cosplayer to look as accurate to the character as possible. So we get a lot of like body shaming kind of things going on like, oh, your body doesn't match your character. I'm pretty tall. So when I try to do cuter characters, sometimes I do get those comments like, hey, you don't match this character. But it's not about matching the character. It's about having fun. Cosplay is about playing.
0: And how do you deal with all of that and I guess the entire body shaming along with just the inaccuracy shaming, which I would imagine is out there?
1: You kind of just have to accept it. It's always going to be there for cosplay. And you just have to do things that make you happy. And for me, making it and just being my favorite comic and anime characters, that really makes me happy. So if someone else doesn't particularly like something about my work... You just gotta accept it. Not everybody's gonna like what you do, you know?
0: And now I kinda wanna shift and talk about a little bit more of the fun side of your cosplay and get away from the technical side of stuff and really start talking about what you've done. We're gonna start with Leon from Akame Got Kill. So, what drew you to her character?
1: She is just a badass. She turns into a very strong lion fighting chick. At the time too, my hair was pretty similar to hers and I was super into that anime at the time and my friend was gonna be cosplaying mine. So I thought it was the perfect time to try to do a Leon. I'm actually gonna be re-cosplaying her next year for KoiCon 2018 with a big Akame Got Kill group. We're gonna have all the characters. So I'm really excited to redo the entire cosplay. I'm gonna start from scratch and try to make it more accurate
0: and she's very interesting and your version of her is interesting where you had the fur ears you had fur hands you had the very skinny top and you had the bottoms kind of looking cool
1: yeah those bottoms the like giant cutouts for the legs
0: exactly we're on audio so many people can't see it but i'm sure we'll direct you somewhere where you can but i'm very curious how did you go about creating these different sections of this cosplay
1: Most of the time when I make stuff, I make it, try to put it on, think about how it's going to attach, and then edit it as I go. I'm not like a seamstress, so everything that I've done, I've kind of just been self-taught, or I've watched a lot of YouTube video tutorials. So I kind of just made pants and drew on the pants of the sections that I needed to cut out and just adjusted as I went along with the build.
0: And she's a very sexy character in anime, and... Your version of her kind of showed skin, and I'm very curious how you feel about that and how you feel about characters revealing some stuff and how comfortable you are with all of that.
1: I'm pretty comfortable. I mean, I'm pretty confident in my skin, and showing the skin for me, it's not a big deal, especially since I live in Hawaii. A lot of people, like the guys, will walk around shirtless and kind of chill here. I don't really get too much negative attention for it
0: and i'm very curious have you been outside of hawaii and have you noticed if you have have you noticed that certain places have more rules or a little bit stricter on that i have
1: noticed well i've only been to arizona and vegas for like a week but i've noticed a little different in it I guess a lot of people say that we're very, like, chill here.
0: Moving on from Leon and to really talk about another one of your cosplays, which is Sango from Inuyasha, which is a very old-school anime. A lot of people I knew grew up on that. Why this character?
1: Well when I chose Sango I really wanted to get into armor making and Inuyasha was definitely one of the original animes that got me into anime. I remember when it was first on Adult Swim and I just watched it up. I watched it and watched all the movies and I just love Inuyasha and Sango she's such a powerful character she's so smart and she's so badass.
0: And your version of her, as you just stated, you were interested in armor making and that entire section of cosplay. And there's a few pieces on her that are very interesting, including the face mask, as well as some small pieces of armor. So what was it like making those? And I would imagine this was one of your first experiences doing something like this.
1: Well, because this was my first armor build, it was made out of paper mache. So there was a lot of drying time. I didn't start using EVA foam or anything like that. It was mostly made out of paper mache and air dry clay. It took a really long time just because of the drying process. But now that I use EVA foam, I can just see that it's so much more easier than paper mache, for me at least.
0: And how sturdy was your paper mache armor and gauntlets and Protection for her character.
1: They were pretty sturdy, actually. I feel like I could throw them across the room and the paint wouldn't crack or anything like that. They still look pretty good. I'm really surprised.
0: And have you ever decided that you are going to remake that armor? Have you remade that armor? or are you keeping it the way it is?
1: I actually have thought about redoing it. I would probably redo it with EVA foam just to see if I could make it look even more nice. I would probably actually want to redo my eye coats, the giant boomerang, because it wasn't as smooth as I wanted it to be. It was just really lightweight, And that was the most important thing for me is that I could carry around in the convention hall without getting tired.
0: And we're talking a lot about remaking cosplays. I mean, we just mentioned too. How do you feel about maintenance on cosplays and remaking it and making sure everything stays up to date? Do you feel that you could just update a part or do you have to update all of it to make sure that it all looks the same and it's a personal standard for you?
1: If I was really confident in most parts, like the fabric I really liked, but the smaller pieces I would remake, I'm just so focused on making newer cosplays, it's pretty rough to take on an extra bill to remake an old cosplay, so I would probably just remake the parts that I wasn't satisfied with.
0: And now, I would love to talk about Inuyasha more, but I want to talk about something more in the Disney range, which is Cena from Mona. How did this come about? We got to talk about it because we can't have a podcast without Disney, so take it away.
1: Well, I just really love Moana, and I was really happy that Disney decided to do a Polynesian movie. I feel like we've all been waiting here in Hawaii to have some type of Polynesian reference besides Lilo and Stitch. So I was just really excited. I like the fact that I didn't have to wear a wig. My hair is pretty accurate to the character, and I didn't have to do much makeup or anything like that. Moana is also a very inspiring character. She's very relatable. To a lot of Polynesian girls here, and I was just really excited to cosplay her.
0: And being that it's Hawaiian roots and that entire environment, do you feel that it's nice to have a character that really represents your diversity, which we're seeing a lot more in the comic and anime realm currently? Yes,
1: I do feel like she really legitimizes that type of character. There's not many Polynesian characters out there, so I'm just really happy that she's so popular.
0: And to even follow up on this, do you feel that it kind of starts to open up the door? Maybe not, you know, in the next year or two, but moving down the line that it makes it easier for more characters like this to be pushed through and also for this to be elevated up into more of a mainstream position.
1: Yeah, I would like to see that. You know, it's always nice having a different variety of, of culture being in the mainstream.
0: And now we're going to talk about a character that kind of might be related and kind of, in a very, very narrow argument, can sort of be Hawaiian, which is Korra. How did this cosplay come about and what is the story behind it, considering how big Korra is?
1: Well... Once again, you know I love Korra, I love Avatar, I love both series, the first and the second. I actually had a lot of friends tell me that I should do Korra, and I feel like I match her a little bit. I feel like I'm really proud of that cosplay, so that's kind of how it happened. A lot of people were telling me to do it, and I was like, all right, I love her, so let's do it. Let's give it a try, and it ended up being probably one of my favorite cosplays that I've done so far.
0: And how was that cosplay build versus other builds you did and other cosplays you created?
1: That cosplay was the first cosplay that I was very, very proud of because I feel like I could throw all of my clothing articles in the wash several times and it wouldn't fall apart.
0: And now I have to back off of a core for a second. So clothes get dirty and cosplays get dirty, too. You know, you're walking around the con and things happen. We're human beings. How do you take care of your cosplays? I mean, you throw your Cora in the wash, but I'm now curious, how do you take care of them and make sure that they smell nice and not bad?
1: You know, you just got to hand wash most of it, depending on what it's made out of. You kind of can't wash it, you know? If there's acrylic paint on it, you just got to deal. You try to make the cosplays wearable as long as possible, and sometimes you just can't wash the things.
0: And now coming back to Cora, you've taken some... Awesome pictures as Cora, firebending, Avatar State, some just really cool pictures. How did all those come about and how do pictures work typically with you?
1: Well, luckily I have a lot of friends that they do a lot of photography and so we kind of use each other for experience. I'm like their free model and they're like my free photographer. So when I was doing Cora, I had a friend who just came out of graphic design. So I really wanted her to do that shoot.
0: And typically, what happens with these photos? And how much freedom do you have with your ideas and what they want to do in those pictures?
1: Well, the setting, the background is really important for me. Because I live in such a beautiful place, I like to take the opportunity to go to any beautiful place. To shoot there most of the time it's pretty long and we have hundreds of pictures
0: and there's two pictures that I want to talk about it's you firebending and you in the avatar state because both of those are very cool and again I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell people where they could find them at the end but I'm very curious how did those two pictures come about and whose idea was that?
1: They were my idea. I really wanted to do some type of element bending. I was doing a lot of arm waving and whatnot, hoping for the best results. The fire one, I actually edited myself using GIMP, but the Avatar State one came from my photographer friend, Sherry Maddie.
0: And has your Korra ever been taken to a convention? And if it has, what is the response, considering that Korra is so big and that people love both Avatar series, but people love Korra?
1: I actually haven't worn her to a convention yet.
0: Are you planning to?
1: I'm planning to in the future. We'll see.
0: And now I kind of want to back off of Korra. And you did a comic character, Storm, and you also did a video game character from Overwatch, which I want to talk about before we go. So I want to start with Storm. What made you want to go to Storm?
1: Well, X-Men is probably my most favorite Marvel comic. I really wanted to do X-23, but I decided not to do that. There's a lot of intricate parts to her suit, so Storm was the next pick for me. She's another female, very powerful character and also the main reason why i decided to do storm was because the main illustrator stephen gordon from x-men evolution the tv series was there and i really wanted to show off for him
0: (laughs) And your storm is very interesting. What made you want to do your storm versus more of a traditional storm where it was more modern, in my opinion?
1: I always said that I didn't look good in white and leather in Hawaii in the summertime. Not so fun, especially since the next day when I did May, it was full-bodied snowsuit. So that was pretty much my reasoning behind choosing that particular storm
0: outfit. And let's talk about May because Overwatch is a huge game. It's still popular. There's so many characters in Overwatch. Why did you want to cosplay as May?
1: May is my main. I love May. She's so fun to play. And her legendary skin is just my favorite skin. The color combination is so cute. So that's why I decided to do her.
0: And with her legendary skin, you made most of that. I think you made everything but the actual ski mask.
1: So even the pattern on the jacket that was hand-painted, I made pretty much everything.
0: And Mae carries a rather large, complicated, possibly dangerous weapon. How did that get built?
1: Well, the gun and snowball was probably the most one build apart from that cosplay because that was the first time that I was using LED lights and that was also the first time that I tried to make a gun that's like full size I've only done smaller things and it was just really fun I just had a really good experience
0: And what do you use for inspiration? Are there any sites or websites that really help you kind of get a basis for building that gun or any reference points? Where do you start building a gun?
1: Well, I don't have a printer. So I try to sketch out as realistic to my body size, a pattern. Then I transferred it onto EVA foam. The barrel of the gun is actually a recycled conditioner bottle. And the clear part of the gun is a Christmas ornament that I just painted and added the lights on inside
0: and now I mean I have to talk about it because unfortunately we live in a society where things happen I've been to plenty of cons where they have metal detectors cons can be very strict with props so how do cons deal with your props are they weapon checked and how do you make sure that they follow certain guidelines
1: So in Hawaii, we do have a weapons check as long as there's no sharp edges or things that it can't actually shoot out anything, even if it's like a pellet or something like that. So they just check your prop and then put a little tag on it to make sure that security sees it.
0: And how do you feel that affects pictures or when you do professional cosplays or photos, you don't typically do them at cons?
1: Yeah, it is kind of bumming to have that little neon tag on props and stuff like that. But I understand the importance because a lot of cosplayers, they've got some realistic looking stuff and you never know anyone who can like sneak into the con or anything like that. So I don't like it in pictures, but I understand why we need to have it.
0: And now I think we covered a lot of your cosplays. I might have missed one or two. And so being that you're new to cosplay and you're kind of hitting it hard what advice do you have for people who either want to get into cosplay or are just starting out
1: just do it don't hold anything back just throw yourself in there do characters that you want to do and just have fun
0: and then finally we've been alluding to it i probably mentioned it about three or four times i know you have an instagram do you have a facebook website or anything else to promote
1: Pretty much just my Instagram for now. I'm thinking about maybe starting a YouTube later on down the journey, but you could just follow me on Instagram for most of my content at Kakelakabaka.
0: You might want to spell that for some people just to help them.
1: So it is K A K E L A K A B A K A Kakelakabaka.
0: as always, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. And we can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitch Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcasts. And while you wait for next week's episode, you could definitely check us out at popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime comics and pop culture, as well as give us a follow on Twitter at pop anime comics, like our Facebook page, Pop Anime Comics. We have a lot of contests, giveaways, discounts coming your way in the next few weeks, so definitely be on the lookout for that that as well as if you would like to support this podcast and the website feel free to go to prowrestlingtees.com type in pop anime comics in the search bar that is p-o-p-a-n-i-m-e-c-o-m-i-c-s and it will bring you right to our shirt and thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a wonderful week